0: A diagnosis of lung cancer can obviously be quite a scary thing to, to go through, but research is producing better treatments. Welcome to the GW Medical Faculty Associates Podcast. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. And today's topic, lung cancer risks, treatments, and research. My guest is Dr. Keith Mortman. Dr. Mortman is Director of the Division of Thoracic Surgery And an associate professor with the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. Dr. Mortman, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, lung cancer obviously, this is a, it is, as I said at the beginning, I think can be a very scary diagnosis for everybody. How about if we just start with giving us a nice overview uh, about lung cancer and maybe some of the different types?
1: Sure. So there are two main types of lung cancer. It typically gets divided, at least initially, into um, what is called non-small cell, which is by far the more common variety, uh, accounting for approximately 90% of cases. And then there's a small cell carcinoma, accounting for another 5 to 8% of cases. Uh, that's usually how it gets uh, divided initially.
0: Yeah, and so when you say non-small cell I mean, what it or or versus small. So, what does that actually mean? Does that mean the cancer cells are small? Maybe can you enlighten it, us a little bit on that?
1: Sure. In a sense, that's really referring to what we call the histologic description or how it appears to the pathologist under the microscope. So, the patient isn't necessarily going to sense any difference. Um, In terms of of how they present, they can present with very similar symptoms. Uh, They can have very similar radiographic or or x-ray findings. So that's more of how the cells appear under the microscope. Either way, uh, regardless, lung cancer still remains a a very significant problem, um, particularly in the United States. Um, As it has been for several years now, unfortunately, it remains the number one cancer killer, uh, in both men and women uh, in the u s yeah um, so unfortunately, more people succumb to lung cancer than the next three right. leading causes of cancer combined, which is breast cancer, colorectal cancer, and prostate cancer
0: so when when we look at how initially you can divide the type of lung cancer let's let 's talk about the one you said is the most common right that 's the non small cell cancer. Tell us about who's at risk for developing that one.
1: Well certainly we know the number one risk factor is smoking, is tobacco exposure. Um, That's been extensively studied, Um, but we know it's not the only risk factor. Um, We know radiation is a risk factor. Uh, Exposure to asbestos can predispose patients to cancer. Uh, Secondhand exposure as well. Um, So Approximately fifteen percent of the lung cancer patients that we now see have actually never smoked.
0: Wow, uh, and, and and they are developing the non-small cell type of cancer here.
1: 15%. By and large, exactly, yeah. more more commonly well, that is the that is what we're seeing.
0: Let me ask you about secondhand smoke. How 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 important is it for the listeners to really understand that that is a risk factor?
1: It is certainly a risk factor. Um, you know, even though these, these days, it's less common to be exposed to that in the workplace or when you're out dining. Uh, certainly, that exposure has been there for, for years or decades prior to more recent regulations. Um, or if you live with a, a family member or loved one at home who's um, a smoker. So yeah. that's a cumulative risk uh, over time.
0: I remember, Dr. Mortman, uh, when I was a kid flying on airplanes. And do you remember they used to be able to smoke <laughs> on sure, airplanes? Sure. and yeah. I can remember. So I think I think you you are you're, you're incorrect in saying that. Maybe that maybe the secondhand smoke exposure has gotten a little bit better based on new regulations. But for my generation, um, I'm assuming you and I are probably pretty close in age. We definitely, I think, were exposed <laughs> a lot more uh, to to right. the secondhand smoke. What about other? Um, Chemicals, toxins in the environment—is any anything else that we're often exposed to today been linked to the non-small cell lung cancer?
1: Sure. There, I mean, there are a number of known um, cancer-causing chemicals that we call carcinogens. Whether you know benzene and others. So, if somebody does work in a particular field and they are exposed to a lot of chemicals or solvents, that could be a predisposing factor for those patients.
0: Yeah, it's, so we're now, so that's the non-small cell type. Let's talk a little bit just about the less common type, which is the small cell lung cancer. Tell us who's at risk for that type.
1: Well, I, it's almost similar uh, risk factors um, uh, in a sense. Uh, in terms, we see that many of these patients who present with small cell lung cancer um, are also smokers. Um, so that that tends to hold true for. Both varieties.
0: Yeah. So when you know if somebody is listening and, and uh, maybe is a smoker, obviously we're going to encourage them, Doctor Mortman, right, to stop smoking. I and mean, it's like the best thing any, anybody could right. do. What What are some of the symptoms they might want to watch out for um, that might indicate there's something going on?
1: So some of the symptoms that patients with a cancer can present with can can be varied. Um, whether it's either a new cough or a change in a chronic cough, um, whether it's coughing up blood, um, uh, new shortness of breath, uh, new discomfort or pain in the chest, uh, even non-specific symptoms such as fatigue or weight loss can be some of the common symptoms that we see in patients who actually have symptoms. The other thing to keep in mind is that a very early-stage cancer, no matter the cell type, are cancers that tend to be smaller and actually do not have symptoms associated with them. So it's often asked, well, how do we know about those tumors? How do we find those if there are no symptoms? Um, And usually we find those... When we're not looking for them. So, um, in somebody who has certain risk factors for cancer but doesn't have any signs or symptoms, they might have their yearly checkup with their primary care doctor. Uh, Some of those patients might be sent for an X ray or or a newer type of CT scan called the low dose CT scan. Um, So, we're finding that we're actually picking up more of these smaller, earlier stage tumors by this mechanism by just mm. by scanning certain patients who meet certain criteria and who are at risk. And, of course, the other way that we find some of these smaller tumors before symptoms present is, for instance, if somebody's coming into the hospital, let's say, for, for a hip operation or a knee operation, and they just happen to get a preoperative chest X-ray. Uh, and so sometimes we can find some of these small nodules and, and work the patients up from there.
0: Right. And, I, and it brings up, a, I think, a point, And I want to ask you this. You know, we've on this show, we've we've had other um, cancer specialists and we've talked about different types of cancers. And, and the consensus usually is, you know, if, if there are symptoms, if that cough is changing, get checked quickly because the earlier uh, the diagnosis is made, the outcome is better. Is that true for lung cancer?
1: That's certainly true for lung cancer. We know so much more about the diagnosis and the risk factors today than we did years ago. Um, The treatment options have been better refined over the years, whether these are surgical treatments, whether they're medical treatments such as chemotherapy. Um, Some of those agents are more targeted. Um, Our surgical options are more minimally invasive, um, more precise, shorter hospital stays, so i think all of the treatments across the board are are so much better today than they were decades ago uh, i think many patients have sort of this preconceived notion that you know a diagnosis of lung cancer today you know can be a death sentence for instance and i think one of the messages i'd like to get across is that that's not necessarily the case um i certainly want to stress the importance of not ignoring a patient's symptoms, you know, should they have those and to get, as you said, checked earlier so that if someone does have a tumor, we can catch it early when it's confined to the lung and hasn't traveled to other parts of the body. And, and we do have the potential to to cure these patients of earlier stage disease.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about that then, you know, where kind of, where were we with uh, the treatment of lung cancer? Where are we today? And where do you think we're going when it comes to treatment of lung cancer?
1: Well, I, I think as, as a thoracic or chest surgeon, um, where we've come, the scales have certainly shifted in the past, I would say, 15 years for sure uh, in terms of the the common treatments that we offer. Um, I would say twenty years ago, the so-called standard of care would have been a you know a larger incision for patients who were offered surgery, what we called an open thoracotomy, which uh, required uh, it was certainly more invasive. There was more discomfort from that approach, uh, required a longer hospital stay and longer recovery after afterwards. These days, the scales tilted the other way, so that. The majority of patients are now offered minimally invasive surgery. Uh, you know, I'm happy to say that more than 90% of the patients I operate on, I, I can offer a minimally invasive approach to. Um, some of these patients can be treated with um, using the surgical robot. That's just one way to do a minimally invasive operation. Um, and the benefits of a minimally invasive approach are not just merely the, the cosmetic, the cosmesis of it, and having smaller incisions, but we know that there's less pain afterwards, which leads to faster recovery, shorter hospital stays, getting patients back to their families, um, back to their job sooner, uh, overall faster recovery. Mm-hmm. And we know in patients who might need additional treatment after surgery, such as chemotherapy, that now they're better able to to tolerate those treatments. And there's actually even more data coming out now, more research that shows that people who have a minimally invasive operation may actually have better survival afterwards as well.
0: Mm, That's fantastic to hear. You know, um, we've talked about a lot in this interview, Dr. Mortman. Uh, How about we end this way? Um, What would you like the listeners to know about lung cancer?
1: Um, to know that, obviously, extremely serious disease that is even more common than I think most patients realize, that if anybody has any new symptoms, such as the ones that we discussed, such as a new cough or coughing up blood, shortens of breath, to please consult with their, their primary care physician so that they can be worked up a little bit more. For patients who are at risk for lung cancer, meaning they're in the um 55 to 77-year-old year, uh, uh, year old age range, um, if they have a prior smoking history where they've smoked more than one pack a day for 30 years or the equivalent, or even if they've stopped smoking and they've stopped smoking within the past 15 years, we know that that is the, the highest risk group. And that's a group that can be offered um, a screening exam, such as a low-dose these tumors when they're smaller and curable.
0: Very good. Very nice summary. And Dr. Mortman, I want to thank you for the the work that you're doing. And also thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to GW Medical Faculty Associates Podcast. For more information, go to gwdocs.com. That's gwdocs.com. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.